Little honeybees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at them loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show that I created to shine a spotlight on the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve regionally flavored food and agriculture. And this is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. Our theme song was sung by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine when she was just nine years old. And she's from Madisonville, Tennessee, and we are so very proud for all of her super successes. And this morning, we are setting the table with cast iron cooking and memories of days gone by. I've got news about today's Winter Heritage Festival, which is taking place in Townsend, Tennessee. A visit with the last woman out of Cades Cove, Lois Schuler, and her daughter, Ruth Coran, and good news about the reopening of the Bean Barn in Greenville, Tennessee, from Fred Sossman. Thank you so much for your good company here today on the program. I really appreciate you tuning in. My first guest today is Rachel Davis. She and her husband own and operate J&R Farms in Blount County, Tennessee, where they raise beef cattle, hogs, meat chickens, including eggs, and bushels upon bushels of all sorts of produce. And today is part two of the annual Winter Heritage Festival, which is taking place from 10 until 2.30 at the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center in Townsend, Tennessee, in conjunction with Cades Co. Preservation Association. Rachel and John Davis will be cooking up and serving an iron skillet lunch at 12 noon. Let's join Rachel right now and hear more about this event and what they've got cooking. We're sitting here talking about the annual cast iron dinner at the Smoky Mountain Heritage Center and it's joined with the Cades Cove Preservation Association. Is that right? Yes. Tell me how the two are working together. Well, they're working together to put on the Winter Heritage Festival. It's a free event to the public, and it is Saturday, January 25th. There will be a series of presentations from local historians mm. and descendants and former residents of Cades Cove. How yes. neat. And um, so they do this every year, and you can find the schedule the event calendar for the speaker lineup and the times on the Heritage Center's website. Okay. If they were to walk into this Heritage Festival, what all activities might they see? Well, they have um, the museum inside. They have a covered uh, section for, you know, just Appalachian history, the history of the park, and then some more natural history. Um, And then outdoors, they have cabins 
and they'll actually have volunteers working in the cabins and so you can learn more about the way of life back then from the volunteers but they're, they're wonderful so and then so on saturday we'll take a break for lunch and john and i will be serving lunch uh, all of it's cooked in cast iron not everything's over an open fire but some of it will be but it's not quite feasible to do it all yes. on the open fire but it's all in cast iron at noon we'll put on lunch we're having uh pinto beans and cornbread collard greens hominy and then peach cobbler and so like i said all the food's prepared in cast iron and also with benton's bacon oh my so the cast iron plus the bacon just makes it really good <laughs> it does that combo is really good do people buy tickets and that's how they eat? Or? No, we'll, we'll just take cash only. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Then we're also going to have a donation box set up for Coats for Our Community, you Wonderful. know, for Blount County Fire Department, you know, a box for monetary donations and then a big box for actual coat donations. So bring some coats if you want to donate some coats. Wonderful. So we'll, we'll have that going on as well. And don't be bringing all ratty things. Bring good ones that are Some clean. Big, thick coats, yeah. Yeah, clean, <laughs> clean, clean, good, good coats. Yeah, yeah. And tell me oh. once again, what's on the menu, Rachel? Okay, we have pinto beans. We have cornbread, collard greens, hominy, and peach cobbler. Mm. If people don't know what the Cades Cove Preservation Association is, what the CCPA uh, serves to educate our community about life in Cades Cove um, back before it was the national park. So former residents and descendants as well, um, they volunteer to keep the organization running. They have a museum in Blount County. It's at the Thompson Brown House um, on the Highway 321 across from Blount Memorial Hospital that volunteers uh, run the museum and it's free to the public and it's wonderful so many artifacts photos it's it's great they've really done a great job they really care deeply about keeping the memory of our cove ancestors alive we really appreciate the work that they do they sponsor several events throughout the year um, and they have a schedule on their website as well and you're related to some people are memorialized there can you tell oh, us yes. your you and your husband's relation to some of the folks yes well my husband um his great grandmother um is lois callhorn who is still living and they moved out of the cove in the 90s when um her husband kermit passed away so a lot of his things are in the museum and lois too and they've really done such a wonderful job of giving their their time and their their uh, things to help people learn about the cove and uh, I'm my ancestors were from the cove as well you keep these foodways and these old-time ways alive in your own lives you and John have your own farm and tell us if you would the name of your farm we call ourselves J and R farms and we raise our own beef pork chicken and that includes the eggs too and then we grow a garden and we love to preserve the garden and uh, cook like our Appalachian ancestors did. We just love it. It's a fun way of life, and we we really enjoy doing it. Well, you ought to see, that for people listening, you should see the kitchen I'm sitting in. They've got these beautiful wooden shelves loaded with pickles and green beans and beautiful old blue cannon jars and Mm -hmm. cast iron and 
okra and all kinds of stuff tomatoes i mean you you all do a lot of canning we do it's a lot of work but it's so worth it especially this time of year when you can pull out can of tomatoes and they're so much better than the store oh aren't they though? <laughs> so it, it's worth the work uh in the summertime to have it in the wintertime it is and um and you've got three of the sweetest children and uh, y'all might hear them john is <laughs> is uh, trying to divert their attention back in their bedroom they're running around and uh, you've just got a lovely family rachel and thank i just you. can't thank you enough for just the good work and good good preservation that y'all are involved in we're so happy to do it and we love to share (laughs) you are listening to the tennessee farm table and my first guest has been rachel davis she and her husband own and operate j and r farms in blunt county tennessee and they raise beef cattle hogs, meat chickens, including eggs and bushels and bushels of all sorts of produce. Rachel also writes about their farming family life in her blog, and you can find that at jandrfarmstn.com, and they spell the A-N-D out. I've also placed a link to their farm in the podcast notes and all of my guests at TennesseeFarmTable.com. And Rachel and her husband, John, are cooking up a iron skillet lunch today at 12 noon. And if you've just tuned in, here are the details of this event taking place today. The Cades Co. Preservation Association, in conjunction with the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center in Townsend, Tennessee, presents the 2020 Winter Heritage Festival. Part one of this annual event took place yesterday and part two takes place today, January 25th from 10 o'clock until 2.30 p.m. This is a free event and it will be a series of presentations by members of the Cades Cove Preservation Association in the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center's auditorium. Local historians will share the stories and tales that shape the past and the lives of the residents who used to call Cades Cove home. That is before the area of land that we're talking about became part of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And there will also be an iron skillet lunch served by Rachel Davis and John Davis of J&R Farms beginning at 12 noon today. They are cooking all of this in cast iron, and there is a modest cash price for the lunch. And the menu is pinto beans, collard greens, cornbread, and peach cobbler, and a drink. And again, it is cash only, and a portion of the proceeds will be donated to coats for the community. And donations of coats and jackets are welcome and will be given to those in need in the community. And a complete listing of today's speakers can be found at the website gsmheritagecenter.org. And I've also placed links to that and today's events and John and Rachel's farm on my website, tennesseefarmtable.com. This is Quint Smith, syrup maker from East Tennessee, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is brought to you in part by Century Harvest Farms and Century Harvest Farms Foundation in Greenback, Tennessee. A sustainable farm in East Tennessee producing 100% grass-fed beef and other wholesome farm products. 
Preservative-free grass-fed charcuterie, preserves, pickles, and jams. Also home to the community-serving, food-insecurity-fighting Century Harvest Farms Foundation. And always centuryharvest.org. This is Karen Shankles, winner of the 2015 National Cornbread Festival Cook-Off, and you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. And my next guests are Ruth Corrin and Lois Schuler. Ruth is John Davis's grandson, and her father was the late Kermit Corrin, and people knew him as the Bee Man. Ruth and Lois are very involved with Cades Cove Preservation Association, and they're a big part of the event that I've been featuring today. Ruth Corrin's mother, who is still living today, is named Lois Schuler. And back in November, I was able to visit her at their home. She is known as the last woman out of the cove. And today, we're going to hear some recollections and how it was to grow up and live in Cades Cove before the Smoky Mountains National Park was established and they all had to move out. Well, today I am so, so grateful. I'm visiting with Ruth Corrin and Lois Schuler. Here we are in your living room and it's got the prettiest view. Okay, can you tell me how this came to be? Okay. When the state of Tennessee was buying up land in the park or getting ready to buy it up, the rumor was that they were going to be buying the land up. Some people bought land outside the park. because I guess they figured other people would go be buying it up later if they didn't. I'm not sure what they thought, but but they found this place and bought it here and actually moved out of the cove and lived three and a half years. My dad, Kermit, finished up the fifth grade at Hubbard School and went the sixth, seventh, and eighth and actually one semester at... Everett High School. Okay. And then he and his brothers were wanting to go back to the cove because they could hunt and fish. There was a creek. There were creeks and branches around, trout in them, and and um, squirrels and on the mountain. And um, I know Mom reminded me earlier that uh, Mile, that's Dad's mother, was a really good shot. And the boys would be playing on the hill above the house, and they'd they'd see a squirrel, and they'd run down to the house and tell Ma, and she would grab her gun and take off and shoot that squirrel and bring it in, and they'd have squirrel and dumplings for supper. I'd want to go back so to they wanted to go back home, <laughs> <laughs> and they could play in the branches, you know, and here there's no water only when it rains. <laughs> yeah, and they knew it. They knew the land. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds like paradise, really. Yeah, yeah. Here, here, uh, hundreds or millions of people come to visit as a getaway. That was their home. Mm-hmm. It was. <laughs> Lois Schuler, you're known as the last woman out of the cove. Is that right? I guess there was. <laughs> what year was that that you had to move out? Come out in. We was to get out of the cove in January, and we didn't get out until... That was 1936. Yeah. But then... Dad left and went back because <laughs> he was born there. Mother was, too. So that was just a hard time. Oh, it was a hard time. 
and tell me what their names were. Uh, my mother, Dad, mm-hmm. Bill Schubert. He no business. Bill or Bill, and uh, Laura, Anthony married the Schubert. Dad Schubert. Did you grow up in Cates Cove? I was in and out. Mm-hmm. When Dad he uh, worked at Logging Works, mm-hmm. and he would get a job somewhere, and if it's uh, going to be there a while, so Mother would go, you know, and rent a house till they went got out of a job to go back to the cove. <laughs> Imagine your day was really full of chores. Oh, it was. In summertime, you had to make garden and stuff like that, and one time he'd carry wood to keep warm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you help your mother do a lot of canning? I know, but back then, I, well, I helped all I could, you know, mm-hmm. little uh, kids, but after I got older, uh, I helped mother a lot. I bet. You want the kids to learn, but you don't want them messing it up because then you don't have anything all winter to eat. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not something to be trifled with. If uh, she was going to work at Pears one day, you know, so we should eat at home and help. Mm-hmm. I bet. Because it's a job, you know, get the pears and peel them and, and, and then put them on the stove and cook them and can them, so it was a lot of work. Well, I always wondered, was it hard to get your canning jars and the lids and all that? Was that kind of a, a large expense? Well, back then jars were you know cheap. But it was high because of the other things that were real so cheap, you know, too. Mm-hmm. And that was the reason that uh, each year, just like everything else, it goes up. Yes, it is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But you saved all your jars. You had to buy new discs. But I guess back then when you were canning, you used the glass no, lid and that band. it was the uh, zinc lids. Was you know. it really? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. With and the then milk. had glass. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then we got the discs. Did she ever can her sausage? Oh, yeah. I've always wondered how that was done. Do you remember? Uh, she canned it the whole we time. We just fix up her sausage. And uh, put the seasoning in it, and then you'd fry it. Put it in your jar and pour a little grease in there for half to fry it again or heat it when you're going to eat it. And uh, I don't know how we ha- kept it that way because uh, now you've got to pressure cook it mm-hmm. to keep it. But now they can't sausage. All the people here in the cove can't their sausage. And now let's hear some good news for the new year from our friend Fred Sossman with the reopening of a community treasure in Greenville, Tennessee. Folks say it seemed like the longest six months in the recent history of Greenville, Tennessee. For that agonizing period, a dish called Beans All the Way was no more. In late June of last year, Jerry and Donna Hartzell owners of the Bean Barn since 1981, entered into a well-deserved retirement. For a while, it looked as if Beans All the Way, which had been served since the 1950s when the restaurant was called Brit's Grill, had reached its end. Beans All the Way is as much a symbol of Greenville, Tennessee as the Cannonball Church or the Old Town Gate. 
Romy and Zella Mae Britt started serving it when their employee, Reagan Walker, mixed some homemade beef stew into a bowl of large seasoned soup beans and topped it with chopped onions. It has been the centerpiece of the business ever since, from its era on Depot Street to its move into the old Stills Grocery Building on East Church. I've been eating there since my days at Greenville High School in the early 1970s. Then, students were allowed to leave the campus for lunch, and many of us packed cars and headed out for beans all the way. During my college years, when I worked the early morning shift on radio station WSMG, I'd often eat both breakfast and lunch with the Brits. On days when my classes at East Tennessee State University ended around lunchtime, I would hurry back to Greenville for a bowl of beans and a cheeseburger. When I began writing about food and the people behind it, the bean barn was one of my first subjects. I've spoken about the place all over the country and in 2003 introduced the members of the Southern Foodways Alliance at the University of Mississippi to its glories. Brit's Grill and the Bean Barn had been in the same family, at least indirectly, for well over half a century. When Romy and Zella May retired, the business came into the hands of their son Danny and his wife Donna. In 1981, they sold it to Donna's brother, Jerry Hartzell, and his wife, also named Donna. At my high school class reunion back in August, I heard that the Bean Barn might be coming back. That rumor proved true. In late December, the business opened its doors once again, thanks to a visionary former customer, Gary Hosey, owner of Gary's Paint and Body Shop and a 1984 graduate of South Green High School, has resurrected the bean barn. The lights are brighter, the paint is new, and there's a shiny new stainless steel hood over the grill. But amid all the renovations and refurbishing, Gary had the good judgment to keep some things just as they were. He's still using the old grill, which imparts an unmatched flavor to those cheeseburgers. And most important of all, he has kept the menu pretty much like it always was. Beans All the Way is back. Still flavored with that homemade beef stew, still dressed with those chopped onions, and still accompanied by a square of cornbread or a stack of light bread. We stopped in the other day on the way to Nashville, but we almost didn't, thinking the place just might not be the same. We had gotten pretty far down 11E before we decided to give it a try. Any doubt we had was eliminated once we saw the parking lot. So full we had to find a place down the street in the lot where an old dress factory once operated. We claimed a couple of counter stools like we always did. When I saw the wife of a local football coach, an attorney on his lunch break, and two uniformed guys from the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency, I felt the same sense of community that has defined the place for generations. The Bean Barn's role in building community had been restored. It's an egalitarian place, one that draws folks from a fascinating blend of backgrounds and professions. They seek not only nourishment, but also connection, 
There's talk of Little League records and the health of grandparents, of property tax deadlines and upcoming weddings. When that bowl of beans all the way was placed on the counter and I was able to order a glass of buttermilk to go with it like I always have, I knew the bean barn had not just been reopened, it had been revived. For the Tennessee Farm Table in Greenville, Tennessee, I'm Fred Saussman. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production. And you are listening to East Tennessee's own 899 WDVX, and it is time for Sweetgrass.